results that they can't see. You know, if you're a parent, you know this is what you do all the time. You're pouring yourself into raising children, and yet you're not the one who can make these kids grow. You can't mature them. And a lot of times it's hard to see the fruits of your labors. Uh, If you're a farmer, your work is cultivating an atmosphere in which crops grow, but you can't make crops grow. Um, And the same is true with Christians. You know, as as we think about what makes a Christian grow, like we know what makes crops grow. That's good soil and sunlight and rain. We know what makes kids grow. That's uh, food and sleep and education and discipline and all those things. But what makes a Christian grow? Well, that's where we have been looking over this month of January. We've been talking about something called the ordinary means of grace. Now, that may not be a phrase that you're familiar with, but those just mean those ordinary practices that Jesus has given to his people, the church, that by regular, repeated attention to them, just like with crops, we're cultivating something in ourselves. And this is really our passion as a church, that you would be formed fully in Christ, that you would be brought to all the measure of maturity in Jesus, that more and more your life would reflect the life of Jesus to the world, that you would experience more and more the fullness of that. But again, how does that happen? The ordinary means of grace. And so this series we've looked at about uh, at corporate worship, our gathering for worship. We've looked at fellowship or spiritual friendship. We've looked at personal prayer. And today we're going to look at the, these things called the sacraments, the two sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now, that's not a word you're going to find in your Bible. Sacrament actually comes, was developed in about the third century to describe what these things are. And it comes from the word holy in the Latin, sacer, and mysterion in Greek, mystery. These are holy mysteries that God has given to his church that help form in us in Christ, that help us become more and more like Jesus. Now, and if, if you're wondering about the passage we read, you may look at this and go, you know, it's funny, I don't remember reading the word baptism or the Lord's Supper in this passage from 2 Peter 1. And if you're paying that close attention to what I'm doing this morning, gold star. I mean, yes, uh, but these don't appear in this passage. And rather, the reason I'm looking at this passage is they don't describe the sacraments, but they tell us how and why we use them. So here's my application up front this morning. Again, as we've been doing this series, my application is every chance you get, every chance you get, every chance the sacraments are offered, every chance you get to see a baptism, you show up for that. You sit on the front row if you can. You know, we used to have this practice more uh, a while ago of kids coming forward during baptism so they could watch. You know, every chance to take the Lord's Supper, every time you don't miss, you're like, man, I'm good. if I'm serving in one service, I'm glad our church has two services so I can make it still to stay for the Lord's Supper. Every chance you get. Now, why is that? Because like the other means, the sacraments are given to address a deep problem that I have and that you have. And we, we, this is what we've been saying. Each of, the sac- each of these ordinary means of grace address a heart problem for us. So go back to when we talked about 
worship. We said the reason we need to come to worship every week is because it's like coming to the hospital and we're, we know we're sick and we come in to experience healing. Or we come together with, with one another in fellowship, in spiritual friendship, because you and I are people who are prone towards self-trust. And we, we tend to think, I got it by myself, which is so dangerous. And we need other people speaking in. Those are heart problems we have. And the sacraments, again today, address a deep heart problem that you and I have. See, Peter, what's fascinating here is Peter is writing a letter to mature Christians. He actually gives them a compliment that we find almost nowhere else in all of the New Testament. Look at verse 12. He says that of these people that he's writing to, that they are mature. They already know these things. They've been established in the truth. I mean, that is a big compliment in the New Testament. You, you are mature people and yet he says something really bizarre. And yet, I am always, as your pastor, going to have to remind you. Now, that's a clue to us about a heart problem that I have and you have. We need reminding all the time. Here, here's the danger. Your heart, my heart, has a short-term memory problem. We have spiritual amnesia. See, this is what you can hear this uh, in verse 12 about how they need to be reminded. You can hear this in verse 9 about being blind or short sighted, having forgotten. You know, this is me and you. Uh, years ago, there was a, a great movie that came out by Pixar, Finding Nemo. And one of the most beloved characters in Finding Nemo is voiced by Ellen DeGeneres. It's Dory, who's the trigger fish who can't remember anything very long. Right, and this is both very funny and very dangerous for, for Dory. So on the one hand, when she first meets Marlon, Nemo's dad, who's looking, suddenly lost his son, she is very confusing in the directions that she gives him. And she keeps forgetting why she talked to him. And he finally is like, what is wrong with you? And she answers this way. She says, see, I suffer from short-term memory loss. No, it's true. I forget things instantly. It runs in my family. At least, I think it does. Right? She can't remember. And it's funny, but it's also dangerous because right after that, they find themselves, Marlon and Dory, find themselves in a gathering of sharks who have sworn off eating meat. Right, And she is unaware of the danger she's in. She has forgotten how dangerous sharks are. See, this is us. We have a short-term memory problem. We have spiritual amnesia. And here's, here's what I mean by this. You and I have a tendency to forget all the good things, all the true things, all the beautiful things, all, all the ways that God has met us, the, the lessons we've learned from the Lord. If you're a journal writer, I, I really want to challenge you to do this. Go back over the last couple years of journals and I guarantee you will find entries where you're filled with gratitude at God's provision or you're filled with insight about something in your life. You, you come to a realization of what God has provided for you. You're filled with joy and you don't remember feeling that way. Because what do we remember? The human heart remembers all the bad things, the ugly, the insults, the comments of other people, the untrue things. 
You know, my heart, your heart is like one of those no-stick Teflon skillets with regard to the truth, with what is beautiful and true and good and loving. It, it just slides off, you know, like the fried eggs are supposed to. They don't stick. And yet, we're more like an unseasoned iron skillet when it comes to the bad and the ugly and the untrue. And this is a problem that I have over and over, and you have over and over. And some of you may be like, that, not, that can't be. There are things I wish I could forget in my life. There are experiences and things that I have been through I wish I could forget. And see, you're making my point if you think that. Right? Our hearts have this memory problem, spiritual amnesia, like Dory. I have to say parents especially know this. <laughs> parents know this, uh, or ask your parents if you're not a parent. I mean, it's astonishing how much children don't take in or don't remember affirmation <laughs> or words of encouragement or good things. But they do remember when the parent lost it and said things they shouldn't have said because they'll repeat that to their brothers later on. I've heard it, right? So that's what happens. But parent, this is what parents see all the time. Our kids, just like us, we have a short-term memory problem. And so what does the pastor say? What's Pastor Peter saying to his congregation? I'm always going to have to remind you of these things. You're always going to need this. So how are we going to remember what we're prone to forget? How are you going to do that? I mean, listen to the things in this passage. God has promised, and we read this in verses 3 and 4, that he has, by his divine power, God given you everything you need for life and godliness. That's amazing. God has already given you everything you need. Listen to verses 11 and 12. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. You get to participate in the divine nature? God has given you those promises? Wow, you know, escaping the corruption of the world with its evil desires? Man, those are good. How, though? How in the world do I connect to that? Enter the means of grace. Enter the sacraments. This is how we're going to make every effort, verse 10, to make our calling and election sure. This is how, verse 11, we're going to never stumble and receive the rich reward because God has given us a memory unit, a memory care unit in the hospital of the Lord, and it's the sacraments. You know, that's really personal to me to say that word, memory care unit. Some of y'all know my dad over the last two years has developed Alzheimer's. And in the past month, he has moved into a memory care unit. And so it's, it's very personal to me to say that. You know, a memory care unit is set up really to accommodate the needs of someone who's struggling, who's weak, who can't remember. Everything is set up to make that environment safe and, and, and life-giving as much as it can be. And so when I say this is the memory care unit of the hospital of God, I, I mean that as that's a really powerful image to me of how much God loves you to provide this for you. So here's how they work, the sacraments. And I'm going to give you two words, and I need you. I need, need, need you to remember these words today. Sign and seal. So let's talk about both these. Sign and seal. First, sign. They function... These two things, the Lord's Supper and baptism, we're going to talk about these over and over, both of them function like a sign. Now, 
Y'all have been down lots of highways and you've seen lots of billboards. If you have ever driven down up and down I-95 in North Carolina and South Carolina, there's one set of billboards that you have seen ad nauseum. What is it? South of the border, right? South of the borders. Get gas at Pedro's, right? You know, it's all this big buildup. And so like hundreds of, of billboards up and down I-95. Advertise everything from get fireworks at south of the border, get your t-shirts, come play miniature golf, come get a hot dog, use the bathroom, get some gas, all the signs, and they tell you how many miles to Pedro's, and then if you pass it, oops, you just missed it, turn around and go back, right? My family, one time, we had done this over and over, we gotta do it, you know, we gotta stop, we gotta see, what is the big deal at south of the border? It's not that great, okay? I mean, so I, I hate to tell you that, it's not that great, it was not that great, but, What's the power of that? The repeated sign. The repeated sign. You know, our hearts function the same way. A repeated sign makes a difference. So let's see if we can read first this sign this morning. Because this has a story to tell. Like a billboard on the highway, it is telling you a message. And it's a confusing message. There's a lot of ways the church has made this way complex. But it's this very simple message. You need cleansing God provides cleansing, right? You need cleansing, not on the outside, but on the inside. I remember when I was in high school, I had to read this play by Tennessee Williams called A Streetcar Named Desire. And there's this woman in this play who keeps taking baths. In fact, that's the main thing over and over in the play that she keeps coming into or going out of the bathroom. She is just about to or just taking a bath. Well, what we find out about Blanche Dubois in this is that even though she's a genteel southern lady, she's got quite a past. She's got a lot of sins that she wants to deal with. And the unconscious way she does so is by taking all these baths. She knows something the Bible says to us, that you need a bath on the inside. You need cleansing on the inside. And, And that's what the sign of baptism shows us, that we need a washing God provides that washing. So I know lots of y'all have watched a lot of TV, so I'm banking on that for this illustration. You've seen the laundry detergent commercials, right? So the laundry detergent commercials always go like this. Little boy, little girl playing outside, they get the shirt all muddy, or they spill grape juice on the shirt. Mom takes the shirt, the white shirt that's now stained, and sticks it in the washing machine, and they wash it, and because of the magic detergent, right, they pull it out, and bing, it's, it's like white, as blind as new, you know, like blinding white, white, you know, and you're like, yeah, right. That's not how my laundry detergent and washing machine works. It don't work that good. And so that's what we think. That's what we think about ourselves. We can be cynical with regard to the cleansing that God actually provides us. That doesn't work. I've tried lots of ways to reform my life. That doesn't work. And if you think that, you've forgotten. Because you know how the laundry detergent commercial really works, don't you? I mean, we're we're smarter than this. We know what happens. They put the dirty shirt into the washing machine, and they pull out not the same shirt, but a new shirt, right? They pull out another one, they're like, you're like, oh, wow, that's how the detergent works, right? That's what they're trying to sell you. It works that well that it's brand new. And see, if you understand this sign, you'll understand that God doesn't just clean. 
He makes new. Just like the laundry detergent. You know, this is what we read elsewhere in the Bible about baptism. Buried with Christ in death, raised to life. You are not just a washed, cleaned up old you. Romans 6, you are a new you. You are a new creation in Jesus. You are cleansed that well. That's the sign of baptism. Buried with Christ, raised with Christ. See, the sign, don't get focused on the recipient or the sign. When we did the baptism this morning, we're not looking at the recipient. It's great to baptize Peter this morning. I love it when we baptize children and adults. But it's not about them. And it's not about the water. The water's not magic. It's about what the sign tells the story. It's about the story behind the sign, which is Jesus cleanses. Jesus cleanses sinners. He gives the washing that we need through his death and resurrection and ascension. This is what he provides for us. All right, so move on. This, what about this one? What story does this tell? What, what, what message can you read the sign of the Lord's Supper? It's this way. God feeds his people. God feeds his people, and I need him every day. That's what it tells us. God feeds his people, and you need him every day. We, we, we use this sign every Sunday. That's because Jesus said, as often as you meet together, do this in remembrance of me. That's why we do it every week. And it's also because I need it. I'm in a spiritual memory unit, memory care unit, and I need to remember what I'm prone to forget. Now, I know lots of people in this congregation like to eat out. Am I right? Yeah. All right? And we like good food when we eat out. We like to eat out because I know this because this is one of the most popular things y'all always talk about in private conversation. I went here. I had a great meal. This is what I'm posting on my, my social media. So like, we love to talk about food. We love to talk about what we're eating. So let's take a test together. Remember the last great meal that you had at a restaurant. The last time you went to a great restaurant, you're like, mm, that was the best thing I've ever eaten. Did you come home afterward and say, that was so good, I'm never going to eat again? <laughs> Anybody do that? No, because you know what? doesn't matter if you ate McDonald's or five-star restaurant. you got to eat tomorrow. We always got to eat the next day. We are always hungry the next day. See, can you read the sign of the supper? You need Jesus every day. You are always going to need to feast in your heart by faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. You are always, every day, going to need fresh mercy and fresh grace. You're never going to get to a point you're like, man, that was the best thing, which he is. I don't need it anymore. No, we always need it. So those are the signs. The sign of baptism, the sign of the Lord's Supper. Now let's talk about the seals, because this is a word that we use a lot of different ways. I'm not talking about seals like this, or, 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 in the zoo, right? I'm not talking about the gray seals that eat fish. I'm not talking about seals on the jelly jars, you know, or the, you know, where you, you take the jar and you open it like that pops, and then you know it's fresh. I'm talking about the kind of seal that you get on a document, 
This is hard because some of the kids here don't know, what I'm, don't know what I'm talking about. You may have to show them this when you get home, parents. Like a piece of paper that will have a gold, a gold like emblem on it with raised letters. These appear on all kinds of our official documents, right? These appear on things like our, bapti- or our sorry, marriage certificate, birth certificate, uh, certifying like a transaction with the bank. We have all of these kind of seals that testify or attest. They say bona fide. And the seals that God uses in this do the same thing. They say, they attest, they say, this is real, this is right, bona fide. Not just it's bona fide, but you are bona fide. That's what the seals are. They guarantee the promises of God to Christians. And this is the work over and over again of the Holy Spirit. We read this in lots of places in the New Testament. The Spirit's, one of His primary tasks is sealing to Christians the promises of God. These, as we read, the very great and precious promises. So how do we read this one? Baptism as a covenant seal. How does this seal to us what God has done? Now, I want you to think about what you do with a seal. Because you don't just look at it, you rub your finger on it like this. You can feel the little bumps where all the letters are. So, baptism is like that with us. You should be able to rub your fingers on it and say, this is telling me something. This is attesting to something. This is what it means. You are part of God's family. You are part of God's family. You are united to God. Now, what's the difference between a kid who's coming over to spend the night and a kid who lives in the house? Well, if you were like just showed up and you're a reporter and you have a camera and you don't know anything about the family, you may not be able to tell at first which is the kid who lives here and which is the kid who's invited to sleep over. Because both of them get the same amount of food for dinner, right? And both of them, we make sure they brush their teeth. And both of them get to like go to bed and have a comfy place to go to bed. And the next morning, both of them have breakfast. So far, so good. One of them goes home, though, and one of them doesn't. That's the difference. One's part of the family, one is a guest with the family. See, baptism is a sign which attests to you. You can rub your fingers on it to remind you, I'm part of God's family. I am part of this. See, the monk, Martin Luther, this may sound really weird to you. He used to, when he was really discouraged and really depressed, he would remember his baptism and take courage. That's what he would say. I remember my baptism. What was he doing? In his heart, in his mind, he's rubbing the seal on the the birth certificate. He's saying, I'm in. This is true. God's promises aren't made up. This is really real. He told him no matter how much he failed or doubted or disobeyed or, or wasn't a good follower of Jesus that day, he was still part of the family. See, this is so important for us that we would, every time we see a baptism, remember, you can't sin away or doubt away your place in the family of God. Amen, people? Are y'all with me this morning? You can't sin away or doubt away your place in the family of God. The Lord's Supper. How is this a covenant seal? How is this a covenant seal? Again, like a seal for, we'll talk about what that is for a wedding, It has power to 
to attest to something, to certify something is true. As a seal, the Lord's Supper binds us to Jesus Christ. It's like a wedding. Every week when we take the Lord's Supper, one of my favorite things about what we do in our church is we don't pass trays down the row back and forth. You get up out of your seat and you come forward like you would if you were getting married. You come up. That's so appropriate because you are laying hold of the means of grace. You're coming up and you're remembering the promises that Jesus has made to you all over again. So every week when you take the Lord's Supper, it is like touching a wedding ring where you remember Jesus has made incredible promises to me. Again, it's still true. They haven't gone away. He, ha- he wasn't pretending. He didn't have a finger crossed behind his back. He makes these, and he renews his vows all the time when we come and take the Lord's Supper. It's a seal saying, to death do us part, and through death. So why do you need this? Why do I need this? Why do we need this sign and seal? Or this one? Because we're like Dory. We're like people with spiritual amnesia, and we forget all the time. You know, so let me ask two questions of this. How and why? Because this is what this passage really helps us with. How and why? How do we use these sacraments? Well, let me tell you how not to first, because sometimes that's easiest. We don't do mechanically or mechanistically. We don't believe that, like, if it's all about the elements themselves, this is a kind of a Roman Catholic understanding. So, like, as long as you got a priest and you got the elements, it sort of doesn't matter if anybody else in the room has faith. We're, you know, you can just have these and they're going to work somehow. Well, this isn't a vending machine. God is not a vending machine that we go put the money in and pull stuff out. It's not a machine like this. They are not apart from faith. The, but. You know, so this is why, let me say this, if, if you're not a Christian, we don't invite you to take the sacraments. We invite you to come to Jesus. Like, th- th- these are signs that show us Jesus. They are seals that guarantee, guarantee the promises of Jesus. But we want you to know Jesus. So they're not mechanistic. Second, I don't know how else to say this, but they're not all about emotional authenticity. And we're getting this one from the Bible church. So if some of you grew up in churches where you needed, believed that you needed to feel really, really bad before, and sorry before you could take communion, you're focused on the wrong thing. It's not about you and your authenticity or your emotions. You know, it, or if you think like, man, I'm not sure I really meant it when I got baptiz- baptized. I better do that again. You misunderstand. This isn't about you and your emotions. This is about God. What God does in the lives of sinners Man, I'm so glad that it's not about me. Because, man, I am like watching me and my heart and how I believe and doubt. It's like watching a yo-yo go up and down. But God is always the same. If that's the wrong way, how do you receive and use the sacraments in the right way? And let me, use, let me give this illustration. It's like a present. Anybody like getting presents from somebody? A present is about two things. A present is both about the relationship, but it's also about the box. So a present, if if somebody gives you a present, 
it says something about their relationship with you. They say, I love you, and I want you to have this. And the present reinforces just the relationship, that they love you. But it's also about what's in the box, the thing that's inside there that we get to unwrap. So every time we watch a baptism, we should remember the relationship. It should reinforce with us the relationship. You should watch Peter this morning getting baptized and go, that's me. I'm like a little baby. I am weak and helpless. And and look how God is reinforcing his relationship with me. I get to, this is what the ancients used to say, the, 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 the spiritual fathers, I, am, I get to improve my baptism today by remembering the relationship, but I also get to open the box. I get to open the box and remember I'm part of his family. I don't get sent home after the sleepover. I'm here forever. Here's my application then. Every chance you get, every chance you get, watch a baptism. It never gets old for me. I mean, I, I, I seriously, like this morning, I whispered to David Spickard after we got done. I'm like, this is my, the favorite, my favorite part of my job. Um, and when you take the Lord's Supper, again, this is like a present God's giving you. It reinforces the relationship. It reinforces it. Uh, you get to not only have this reinforcement of like, this is how the Lord relates to me. He feeds me over and over what I most need. But you also get to touch the wedding ring and remember, wow, you know, this is, God is continuing these promises to me. This is one of the things I find in our church. Sometimes it's the people who most need to take communion who are sitting in their seats. I'm preaching at y'all this morning. The days when you're filled with doubts, the days when you're like, I'm not sure I'm a Christian anymore. The days when you're like, I think I've sinned too much. Those are the days that you especially need the Lord's Supper. Those are not the days when you stay in your seat. You know, it's for weak sinners that God provides these things, not like uh, bodybuilders in the kingdom of God. So don't you dare stay in your seat during the Lord's Supper if you're a baptized Christian. Come forward, read the sign, touch the seal, rub your finger on it, remember every chance you get. So, in conclusion, let me say this. Here's why. That was how, here's why. Here's why the sacraments work like the memory care unit in the hospital. Because discipleship as a Christian is not a matter just of knowing and believing, but hungering and thirsting. You know, to be a, a follower of Jesus is not an information dump. Man, in the Presbyterian church, we get confused about that. We think it's about, like, how many facts do you know about God? How much theology do you know? No, 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 no. That's a model of discipleship that's actually misapplied. You know, it goes back to, like, the old Sunday school movement in the United States. There's some good parts about that, but the emphasis on the school part tells you what they thought discipleship was. It's about this. It's about knowing more things. But the reality is, we are not just little safe deposit boxes out there for information about God. That is not who we are. That view, in fact, is not biblical at all. It comes from the Western European Enlightenment era, where a guy named Rene Descartes said this. He said, I think, therefore I am. In other words, we're rational beings. All we need is more information. But I I like AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, has kind of poked holes at all in that. They said, you know what? Here's the thing with your thinking. Your best thinking has gotten you where you are in life so far. How's that going for you? 
See, AA says, no, we're not just thinking beings. We're craving beings. We are desiring beings. We're loving beings. We're more led often by our desires than our thoughts. So look how, if we are what we love, rather than I think, therefore I am, look how the various means of grace meet us in those places. You know, we worship, we come together, and we open our mouths, and we sing the promises and praises of God. We, we open up our Bibles, and we read with our eyes. You know, we, we hear the Word preached to us. We baptize bodies. We taste and eat the promises of God in the Lord's Supper. I mean, do you see how physical we are? And how all these different means of grace are meant to answer who you are and the way you're made. They're made to reorder your desires, to reorder your loves, because you're not just a thinking being, you're a desiring being. So this, this, this is the washing that says who you are. You're a person who needs cleansing on the inside, and God has provided that cleansing. And then you touch the seal, and it says, you are part of the family of God. Therefore, do it every time you can. And this, this is the sign that says to us, you know what? You're hungry, and God provides everything that you need in Jesus, and you need him every day. And it's also the seal that reminds us as we come forward and partake that God's promises to us are over and over true. Over and over true. So my call is, again, every chance you get. You know, my longing is more and more our church is not filled with, like, nominal Christians, but people who are being formed and shaped like Christ. More and more remembering who we are and whose we are in this world. You know, there's a sequel to Finding Nemo, and it's called Finding Dory. So you might have seen Finding Dory. Finding Dory is the story of the trigger fish, Dory, and she's looking for her family. She's on a journey to find her family, even though she has a short-term memory problem. And I encourage you, if you haven't seen this, I won't spoil it for you, but you need to watch it because it's about a reunion. It's a reunion story. It's a story about a mom and dad who are looking for a lost daughter who's looking for them. You know, my wife says something really profound about babies, that every baby who's born comes into the world looking for someone who's looking for them. That's how we're made, looking for someone who's looking for them. And yet what makes this so hard for us is that we're like Dory. We're looking for someone, but we have a short-term memory problem. And what we find, though, in what the Lord provides for us is these sacraments Help us remember there is someone who's looking for you, who's always been looking for you, and who's found you by his grace. And no matter how bad the short-term memory problem is this week, he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Brothers and sisters, what great gifts God has given his children. What great love he has poured out on the children of God. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, we are so prone to forgetfulness.
and to losing our way and to being all over the map. We're, we're so prone to confusion and to being lost and to doubting. Lord, we pray this day that you would meet us by your power. Lord, help us to remember who we are and whose we are. Help us to be more and more hungry, Lord, for the sacrament. Help us to be more and more eager to watch a baptism. Lord, we thank you that you meet us, Lord, in our weakness. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.